There's a snap. There's a kick. It is up. It is. No good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. For all you non-believers, disrespect us. Talk crap about the defense like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. And so, Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given the last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday. Going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. What's up, everybody? Along with Joe Masters, I'm Colin Lochran. Happy to be with you for another edition of NFL Friday, WFUV Sports NFL Podcast. Joe, this weekend's upcoming slate of games is really really good no one i'd rather have here than you to break it down with i appreciate that man that means a lot uh i am very excited i looked at the slate earlier this week and it you know it's looked a lot better than it has in previous weeks we actually have good games on prime time i know we're gonna get into one of them i'm just excited i have one gripe about the slate Uh but it's already over Thursday night football jaguars and saints the jags took that one by a final score of 31 to 24 nice game all around for Jacksonville but really I look at just the amount of games we're getting now with especially with the 17th game there was a time not too long ago when the schedule was 16 games where you'd get to this time of year and you'd be like uh you know now everyone's kind of either hitting the panic button or already getting set on making that Super Bowl run is it just me or does it feel like there's a little bit more season left to be played at this time of year with that extra game on the slate? Yeah, and I also feel like a lot of the teams who are in that 1-5 and five position kind of have reasons to believe maybe they can turn it around or they really can't be this bad. Like, you look at the Broncos. You know, they're paying Russell Wilson so much money, they can't be 1-5. It's not like you can just tank and say, oh, you know, we're going to get a new quarterback next year, which they probably will, but that's not what they ideally would like to do. And then you look at the Giants, who we're going to talk about. They just pay Daniel Jones, and now they're 1-5, and five, and it could be worse after this week. You really don't want to – it's not like we're in a position where we – or the Giants, in that case, don't have a quarterback, and they're kind of just, you know, waiting to draft one this year. It's kind of like these teams – feel like they should be in it and they're not I mean the Vikings as well as a playoff team last year and they've been horrible so far this season so I, I really don't think there's any clear tanking teams per se uh, and I think that's kind of why every really bad team maybe still feels that they're still in it lots of football left to be played without a doubt I do want to start with the New York Jets they had a surprising surprising is an understatement in my mind, surprising win against the Philadelphia Eagles last Sunday. They beat the Birds by a final score of 20-14. to 14. They moved to 3-3 three and three on the year. The Jets now in a bye week. They'll take on the Giants next Sunday at MetLife Stadium. It will be a quote-unquote road game for the Jets. I look at this New York team after you lose Aaron Rodgers, what was it, four plays into the season, ruptured Achilles, you're dealing with Zach Wilson as your quarterback at the moment. Defense played very well against Philadelphia. Hurts throws three interceptions. That's a credit to the Jets defense, who has been critiqued over the course of this year. And we'll get into specifics about what I'd like to see them improve upon going forward. But for this team to be 3-3 three and three, heading into their bye has to feel like a win, given they're without the main man, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the story of this Jets season, is how are they going to respond after losing Aaron Rodgers? And... So far, not so bad. I mean, I know it was looking a lot worse a couple of weeks ago before this honestly could be the win of the season going up against a team like the Eagles and to win the way they did. Um, and you saw the comments Robert Sala made after the game. I know you talked about how you'd like to see certain things out of their defense, but he said that they've faced a quote-unquote gauntlet of quarterbacks. And I don't know about saying this, but he said that we've embarrassed all of them. I don't know about the wording there because that's a little... Strong. Yeah, that could come back to bite him. But you look at the numbers. When they played Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, he threw two interceptions. 
Hertz through three and Josh Allen through three. I mean, that's arguably, you could say in that order, the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. And that's what, eight interceptions that they forced him to throw. So that's, you got to give it to the Jets defense. They have been forcing a lot of turnovers and they've been limiting touchdowns in the second half. They only had one all year in the second half. So they are keeping them in games. They've kept them in this season. And you look at Zach Wilson and he's not playing superstar ball, but he doesn't really have to. He kind of just has to be that game manager. And when he doesn't turn the ball over, they're in games, and he didn't turn the ball over, they won. You look at what they were able to do against Philadelphia. The Jets held them to zero second-half points. Yeah, That's impressive against a Philadelphia team that many— Impress- Impressive against anyone, really. I mean, the NFL today, it's pretty impressive. I would argue especially this team, though. Of course. I'm high on the Eagles going forward. They are my Super Bowl pick, which we talked about a couple weeks ago on the show. I think that they're built to win— a championship right now with Hertz as the quarterback. They made Hertz look pretty bad in this game. It was an uncharacteristic game from Jalen Hurts, so I don't know if that's all a credit to the Jets defense or if it's just that Hertz had a sloppy game. It's probably a little bit of both, so credit to the Jets on that front, or at least somewhat. What concerns me about New York is that they've given up the fourth most rushing yards this season. That can't happen going forward. I don't care how good your secondary is. If you can't defend against the run, you're automatically putting yourself in a position to struggle against high-octane passing teams, especially a team like Kansas City. Now, they played well against Kansas City, but for one moment, let's pretend that the Jets have to go to Arrowhead and play Kansas City in a playoff game. KC is going to set up the run with Pacheco, and they're going to use that to eventually set up big plays to a Kelsey or now a Mecole Hardman down the field. You have to get better against the run. If the Jets can do that, then they'll have the type of defense that, as you said, Joe, might be able to carry them to a playoff position. The other thing, offensively, I'm still not sold on Zach Wilson. I know it's good, 3-3. Three and three. I know I'm supposed to throw a parade for him that he's not looking like Charlie Brown out there at the moment. But 19 of 33 passing with 186 yards compared to the expectations for him is not cutting it. I'm sorry. I still can't get over the fact that this was a high-level draft pick spent on Zach Wilson, and this is basically considered one of his better outcomes. You need to get better out of him or whoever you're going to put in the quarterback position if you have a plan on winning a Super Bowl. Well, I, I think it's fair to say the expectations have probably changed They've a changed, bit, but a I lot. still can't get over the yeah, initial— No, of course. I mean, yeah, he he came to the league. I thought he was going to be—you know, I don't scout quarterbacks. I never claimed to be. I kind of just, you know, I do the eye test. I was, what, like 17 right. when this happened, 16. I was like, yeah, he can throw like Mahomes. Yeah, I saw the, I saw the pro day videos. I was, I was entranced. Um, and I think expectations have changed a little bit. That's obviously why they went out and got Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I think we're we're now in a position where I, I do believe he still has a talent. I mean, you can see he makes certain throws. He has a very strong arm. It's just he just makes too many mistakes. So right now we're in a place where, okay, if you can just cut out those mistakes, be like, and I, I'm comparing him to a guy like Alex Smith, like just like a pure game manager. And Alex Smith won a lot of games in his career because he didn't turn over the ball. He had a great defenses throughout his career, and he just let them play the game and that's the position Zach Wilson's in right now where he has a tremendous defense just let him play don't don't give him horrible field position because you fumbled the ball or you threw an interception and we've seen it far too many times with him um we just can't do that and then you mentioned the whole run defense thing I'm looking at their next three opponents after the bye it's gonna have a showdown at MetLife with the Giants Saquon Barkley and then you're gonna play the Chargers Austin Eckler is now healthy and then you're going to Las Vegas and playing the Raiders and that's Josh Jacobs so that's kind of three t- premier running backs that and you're talking about their issues and buffalo after that yeah and then you got to deal with the two-headed monster of you could get a run traditionally or you could have josh allen running all over you <laughs> i thought you were going to say a two-headed monster of james cook and latavius murray and i was <laughs> like where, where are we going not here? quite it's no, not no. 2018 um <laughs> no but yeah i mean josh allen's a really a threat against anybody but yeah that's you're talking about run and then you got the dolphins with raheem mostert and uh devin O'Shane if he's back i don't know and that's not even the best part of the dolphins offense yeah that, that's secondary is going to have a real showdown when that happens yeah the dolphins. It, it it's looking tough uh i i, I mean i th- think all these games leading up to the bills and the dolphins i think it's pretty funny that the jets and the giants have to play those teams back to back it's kind of interesting um 
you know, the Giants, the Chargers, and the Raiders, those are all winnable games for the Jets where we could be having a very different type of dialogue in a couple of weeks. But at the same time, those are also three games I could see them losing. Uh, it's just kind of like, it really comes down to what does Zach Wilson do? And usually you can tell pretty early on if it's going to be Zach Wilson that's solid or decent or if it's going to be Zach Wilson from last year. Uh, so we'll see. But this, you know, this could go one or two ways. You just need Zach Wilson, as you said, to be that game manager which is disappointing to say, considering what this season was supposed to be from an offensive standpoint. You go out and you get all these wide receivers. You're thinking Rodgers is going to be throwing touchdowns. The team's going to have that high-octane offense. It makes you wonder what could have been. Oh, like, absolutely. Oh, my God. Could you imagine an elite offense with this defense? The funny thing is, wow. I don't know how much better their record is if Rodgers is the quarterback right now. I think they might be 4-2. and two. But it's more about what happens in the months of November, December, and yep. these games coming up. Because you look at now the Giants, Chargers, Vegas, Buffalo with Rodgers versus Zach Wilson. Those are two very different records. Mm-hmm. Because I see if Rodgers is there, you easily win against the Giants with where the Giants are right now. But with Zach Wilson, that's a toss-up. The Chargers, they're struggling right now after a loss against the Cowboys, which we'll get to in a little bit. Yep. That's another game where I could have seen Rodgers being able to kind of have that veteran mindset of we just can't beat ourselves. I mean, I feel like you can do this for most, mostly any game where you could say, yeah, you, it's know, fascinating you, you can convince yourself. And then now you're looking at it and you're going to look at it and say, Justin Herbert versus Zach Wilson. Uh, I don't know how I'm feeling about that. So, yeah, it obviously changes the complexity of the entire season, as we've seen. Um, but, I mean, honestly, when you look at Aaron Rodgers and the way they constructed this offensive line, I don't want to say it was going to happen eventually it was bound to happen eventually but I mean Zach Wilson is still taking hits but Zach Wilson the difference is he's not 40 years old so I, I, I I've talked about this in previous NFL Fridays where I really blame the front office for what happened to Aaron Rodgers so who knows what would have happened but it is kind of sad because it was almost like this whole entire storyline leading up to the season and you saw it with hard knocks and everything and then it just all came crashing down and like it didn't even feel real when I when it happened Gang Green at 3-3, three and three, looking to hold on to some shred of hope going forward that the playoff dream is alive and well. Meanwhile, the New York Giants falling apart at the seams. They fell to the Buffalo Bills by a final score of 14-9 to nine on Sunday Night Football. They're now 1-5 on the year. They'll host Washington this Sunday at 1 p.m. at MetLife Stadium. The Giants haven't scored a first-half touchdown all year. The Tyrod Taylor, audible at the goal line this past week. Didn't help that cause. I don't know what Tyrod Taylor was thinking there, personally. Regardless, the team played a decent defensive game against Buffalo, which they deserve some amount of credit for, but it was not a pristine offensive game from Buffalo's side, and I don't think the play calling was particularly good from Buffalo on this given occasion. So right now, if I'm Brian Dable or anyone that's a part of the Giants coaching staff, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, all we need to do is be able to manufacture some touchdowns. If we can show this type of fight. That's not saying the defense is good. That's not saying the defense is great. But they at least showed something in this game against Buffalo, in my opinion. And you can disagree with me here, Joe. I at least think they showed something that you can work with going forward. It's not last year where there came a moment in which fans were convinced this team was a group of world beaters, which... It's hard to argue with the excitement there because there was some genuine reason to believe that they could make some type of run with a healthy Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones questionable for this Sunday's contest, worth noting. But overall, given the playoff berth last season, now at 1-5, and five, not where anyone expected this team to be, even from a pessimistic, pessimistic point of view. Yeah, it's 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 not been a good season for any football team in New York, but especially the Giants, uh, as we're going to talk about here. I mean, I look at the game against Buffalo, and I'm thinking to myself that you can chalk it up to bad play calling, but whatever you want to say, 14 points, the Bills in Buffalo at home, that's impressive. I, the Bills may have shot themselves in the foot a couple times, but I don't know many teams that can do that. That's very, very impressive. You saw... I mean, you saw a couple of years ago what the Bills did to the Patriots in the playoffs at home, and when they scored like forty points on them, it's it's not easy to stop Josh Allen, let alone in Buffalo. Um, and they did that. But as the kind of the story has been all season, it's been the offense and them just them not having an offense really. I mean, sixteen points 
against the Dolphins, three against the Seahawks, 12 against the Niners. And you mentioned not having a first-half touchdown all year. I think that's going to change this week. Watching the Commanders every week, sure. it's it's just going to happen. I, we, we always let the Giants kind of run over us, and I, I can just see all this happening. But I don't know. I, I, I think this is an opportunity for the Giants to, to salvage their season. They have. I know we, every week has been a must-win for this team. But you look at this. If you lose, you're one and six, and I, there's I, they're not coming back from one and six. I mean, it, they just don't have the firepower, in my opinion. Um, but then you can look at it and say you're two and five. You play the Jets, toss up Raiders, Cowboys. Toss-up. You know, it, it could happen. Uh, it could definitely happen. But this is a really important game. I'm really curious to hear your perspective. It's kind of like Giants fan, J- Commanders fan here going on. So I'm really curious to see what you think is going to happen. I look at this weekend game as a must win. But with that being said, every game up to this point for what the Giants are is a must win. They're not necessarily a team that's built for the long haul. I see the New York Giants as a team built for a game. Can we put <laughs> maximum effort into this game? I like the way you game? phrase that. I think there's no better way to phrase it because yeah. that's the type of coach that Brian Dable is too. So if I had to pick anyone to manage this group of players – it would be Brian Dable because last year it was kind of the same deal. It wasn't a dynamic offense with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. It was a serviceable offense that could score enough points to get you a W. It's the same type of deal here where you're built for a game. Can you come up with a drive to get you to the end zone? Things like that. Thinking in terms of let's just make sure we get this play right. And that goes for Tyrod Taylor. That definitely goes for Saquon Barkley against the Commanders this weekend. And I'm going to point out someone else that – is a bright spot for me. I really like what I'm seeing peripherally. Not everything, but just the basics from Jalen Hyatt. I think athleticism is going to be his cup of tea going forward. He just seems like a tough wide receiver that can beat out bigger, stronger corners for some of those jump balls every once in a while. We saw it this last week against Buffalo. He had some really nice catch. I forget what the situation was. I don't think it counted, but it was like a toe drag down the sideline. Yeah, it was a good catch. I think his – I mean, I don't really – I've tried to come on NFL Friday since the season started and and fathom why he wasn't playing because you look at this wide receiver room and, you know, there's no one there that's like, oh, that guy should be playing in front of Jalen Hyatt. It's like – what what are we doing here? You're 0-3, you're 1-5. Like, what are we doing here when you're – not letting your third round pick who has so much he has more hype than a traditional third round pick because it you know what he did in college and how fast he is in that speed uh you can get lost in the highlight tapes and we're starting to see a little bit of it like you said the peripheral but you know hopefully well I guess hopefully not this week from my perspective but hopefully we get to see some of him more going forward this season I'd like to see more out of Jalen Hyatt the other guy I'd like to see more out of and Ralph who's behind the glasses already nodding knowing where I'm going with this Darren Waller I would love to see more of Darren Waller. I thought he'd be able to provide more when the Giants went out and acquired him. You should be happy he's playing. Okay, I, you know we were very lucky that he's even seeing the field, considering his last couple of years with the Raiders. There's a weird kind of history for the Giants in terms of tight ends being able to help the offense. The guy I compared Waller to that I would like to see him emulate a little bit is Kevin Boss. Kevin Boss, a part of some of those late 2000s Giants teams, as you might remember, was not a great player, but he was a safety valve for Eli Manning. So if Manning was under pressure, and Manning, of course, some similarities to Daniel Jones, if (laughs) Daniel Jones is under pressure, maybe he could find Waller as that kind of safety valve. It was the same thing with Jeremy Shockey years ago, or a Bavaro. Now, obviously, Waller isn't quite as talented as a Bavaro or a Shockey, or maybe he is. We could have that debate 10 ways to Sunday, but... The idea of having a big tight end serve as a safety valve for a younger quarterback or a quarterback that doesn't have the best offensive line in the world is not unheard of. With that, that does give me the opportunity here to mention the offensive line that has been shuffled and reshuffled 10 ways to Sunday. I just don't know what the winning combination is here or if there is one when Evan Neal is a turnstile. I, I have not seen much that I like from Evan Neal. We talk about peripherals. That's a guy I don't love the peripherals on after his comments a couple weeks ago. I cannot get behind him. Flipping I would burgers. Be fine. I would be yeah. fine if they cut him personally, and maybe then he can flip some burgers yeah. as a line uh, of work I, because I've, I've heard the lineman ain't working. Yeah. yeah, 
I think it's a popular opinion amongst people in the market. Yeah, he, he, you know, that's a kind of a risky thing to say when you play for a team in New York. I don't know what he was thinking. Like, if you play in Green Bay, like, you know, you play in, you know, you play for some smaller market, you can get away with that. New York, on your first round no. pick, it's it's not going to happen. I don't know. This this offensive line is kind of like that that broken dark down car you see that has like cardboard <laughs> in the window and then the the, the doors are duct taped shut. That's kind of like this Giants offensive line right now. It's got 200,000 miles on it. It's, somehow it's moving, but it's not – you're like, how is it moving? And it's not moving well because uh, you got guys, as uh, Justin Pugh said, off the street or whatever. What did he say? Off on, the couch. Off the couch, even go. better. Yeah, like literally I think this week against the Commanders, Andrew Thomas is out, and then Evan Neal is out. You're going to have to start guys who literally are coming off other teams' practice squads. It's how bad it's gotten. Who it might be honestly an upgrade over Evan Neal. I'm curious. To hear it your might be because I saw. I'm looking the, forward to that. Yeah, I saw the tweet that um, Evan Neal wasn't moving well in practice and he might be out. And then I just scrolled down to the subtweets and the replies, and it was like, "Oh, this is great news! Like now we can actually have a chance." Or like, and the, the guy was like, "Oh, like we're gonna have to play some guy who just got signed off the Eagles practice squad, the Cowboys practice squad." And they're like, "Oh, that's that's great. He's probably gonna be better than Evan Neal." And I'm like, "Wow, that's it's not moving well for." The, the offensive line there, but I mean, you also have Chandler Moo, who's out now, out for the rest of the season from an injury in practice. It just seems like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, and you're coming into a game against the Commanders where they had the talent: Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Allen, Jonathan or Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen. They haven't really put it together this season, but that's kind of a scary matchup on paper against an offensive line in the Giants that I don't think has looked good once a season. Maybe maybe last week you could say, but to our audience who's listening on podcast app and not uh able to watch because we don't post the video recording, Joe just had this look of optimism about uh, no, it, this game this weekend for his commanders. <laughs> it's very like concerned optimism because I'm used to my team just consistently letting me down and I've been listening to some podcasts, some local podcasts back in D.C., some radio shows, and every fan is expecting to be let down. I mean, you kind of have to uh, understand that considering what happened against the Bears a couple weeks ago. Um, and it seems like, I don't know if you've caught on to this, but the Giants outside of uh, last year whenever Daniel Jones was playing, when it was the Jake Fromm era, have literally always beaten the Commanders. If you take a Daniel Jones's stats against the Commanders and throw them aside, like he may not be in the NFL. That's how bad it's been. Uh, so I'm very hesitant about this game because on paper, one team should win this game. It should be Washington. But I don't know. Am I am I in the wrong to say the Giants have a good chance? If Daniel Jones plays, which he's still questionable with a neck injury to play this weekend, hasn't been play. cleared for contact. Yeah. If Daniel Jones plays. It would be an easier pick for me to just say Giants will take it. With Tyrod Taylor, it's a little bit more of a toss-up in my mind. We'll get to our picks later. Excited to hear your take on it. Although I, I, I already I, think I don't think Daniel Jones has lost to the to Washington. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm going to look at this. We can get back to it later when we make our <laughs> prediction. But yeah, I, I, if if I see that notification Sunday morning, Daniel Jones is active. I might just throw my phone at the wall. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but. I, I think it is going to be a toss-up, and I know we'll get into the exact score predictions later. I'll be in attendance. Just get me a good game this week. Oh, yeah, you'll please. be there. There you go. It, it, it will be a good game because you look at the matchups the last couple of years, literally every game has been within a touchdown or even less. I mean, they tied last year right. in New York. Were you, were you at that game last year? I was year? not at that game. It was yeah. a big game, though. Yeah, yeah, two big games last year. It's always close in a division, and these two teams are kind of the same type of vibe where they're kind of always letting down their fan bases and you know so it's always going to be a good matchup I think whatever it is it's going to be within a touchdown for sure in other NFC East related news the Dallas Cowboys get a huge win and Joe we're just the perfect people to be talking about the Cowboys <laughs> doing something good here they oh, yeah. beat the Chargers 20 to 17 the boys now four and two on the year the Eagles sitting at five and one I mentioned that because from the Cowboys perspective Winning a game here and going four and two versus losing and being three and three, knowing that Philly just lost their first game is critical going forward to the NFC playoff picture. Because now, if you're the Cowboys, you're sitting at home thinking we can make a run at the NFC East. We're not dependent on having to get in via wild card necessarily. Obviously, it's very early. You don't want to forecast playoff seeding and things of that sort. But if we've learned anything in the past, every game matters even with the extra game with that 17th game each game counts week in week out 
Cowboys have been good for the most part this year. I thought Dak Prescott was very good against the Chargers. He made basically every throw he had to against them. On the flip side of things, Herbert struggled. He missed a few throws here or there, here and there that could have really tilted momentum back in L.A.'s favor. Needless to say, Cowboys grabbed the win. I just think in terms of talent, it's close between the Cowboys and the Eagles. I think the Eagles are a better football team, but if I'm going guy per guy down the roster, it's it, defensively it's very close. Offensively, we could have a different discussion, and it's a very nuanced discussion based on the different schemes that they're running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that it was close when the season started, but when you lose Trayvon Diggs and you're kind of having some other injuries in that secondary, I think the Eagles take the cake there, but... I think with the Cowboys, I'm not expecting them. I know they're a game back, technically, of the division. But I'm not really expecting them to have a shot to when we get to week 16, week 17. We're like, oh, God, the Cowboys, like, you know, they win and they clinch. Like, I don't think we're going to see that type of scenario just because I think the Eagles are such a very solid football team. Um, and the Cowboys, it, it really – at the end of the day, comes down to quarterback, and we will talk about Jalen Hurts. How he, or we did talk about Jalen Hurts, how he turned over the ball a lot last week, and but that's been Dak Prescott's mo throughout his whole career. But the last two years, it seems it's been a real issue where he's just been interception prone, and he did a great job not doing that last week. But I mean, you look at the 49ers game, you look at past games this season, he's done it too much to say this is a Super Bowl contender. This is a team that can compete with the Eagles because I'm just not there quite yet. On the defensive side of the ball for the Cowboys, you mentioned them losing Diggs. It's a big loss. Yeah. Definitely a big loss. Cowboys have allowed the fourth least amount of passing yards this season, 16th in terms of rushing yards allowed. Philly matches up with them really well from that perspective. If Dallas is struggling against the run and you have to play a team like Philly with Swift and Hurts and even a guy like Gainwell, imagine the play call that Philly will be able to bring to the table against a team like Dallas where they can set up their run game and then leak into the pass, which with a quarterback like Hurts that's mobile is deadly. You don't want to have to deal with that, especially if you got to play him in, in Philadelphia. So I, I don't know if I'm – I agree with you in the sense that I don't think the Cowboys are going to win the NFC East, but them beating the Chargers the same week that Philly gets their first loss feels important. In that it'll, oh, it definitely is. It important. will at least be a conversation as we head down the stretch, and if we do get to that week sixteen, week seventeen scenario by some chain of events, it forces Philly to play all their guys and play to the end of the year instead of giving them a little bit of extra rest before the playoffs. The other thing I do want to mention about the Cowboys' offense because I think it's important: they're third in terms of average time of drive. I know that's not like a lovely stat; it's not used all the time. I love it personally because look at some of those championship teams that the Patriots had. They weren't offensively great, but they milked the clock. That AFC championship game against Kansas City, not a great dynamic offense. They just ran the ball with Rex Burkhead and James White and all those guys, and then Brady would make a throw into the end zone. If Dallas has this type of offense, now their running back situation is not quite the same that New England had. But it's not crazy to think that Pollard could have a really good playoff game or no. a really good game where he kind of is that, uh, you know, bell cow running back, so not to speak. At all. So I think that that's a positive going forward. A lot to look forward to in that NFC East picture for sure. Yeah, and for me, the Cowboys, they have to find a way. They have weapons on this team. They have to find a way to get the ball to CeeDee Lamb and then most importantly, Brandon Cooks because you brought him in the offseason that's you know a perennial 1000 yard receiver and he has just a little bit over 100 yards in the season so far and you got to find a way to get the ball in their hands and they did a little bit of a better job in terms of cooks last week four catches 36 yards a touchdown but you got to see a little bit more out of that um and you, you saw Jerry Jones where he was very positive in defending Dak Prescott and then was sort of kind of eh on uh CD Lamb which was a little bit interesting to me uh, I don't because I know CeeDee Lamb's contract is coming up soon, and they have to pay him. And, you know, you just have to – you talk about running the ball, you talk about time of possession, I agree with you, and that's great if you have a great defense, which they do have. So I do think that that is important for them going forward. But they also have, you know, a 
top 10 wide receiver and Brandon Cooks, you've got to give him the ball. you got to find a way to give him the ball. It feels like almost that gets overlooked because of Dak Prescott. Yeah. Is that crazy to say that because people have questions about Dak, they have questions about the Cowboys wide receiving core? Yeah, I mean, I'm not questioning how good they are. I know how good CeeDee Lamb is. I know how good Brandon Cooks but, can be. But you question whether or not the Cowboys will be able to utilize them successfully. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I also think, I know I talked a little bit about Dak Prescott. He does turn the ball over a lot, but he does make... He can beat you, he, you know. He's not like a Zach Wilson we talked about earlier, where it's just like, don't turn over the ball, Dak, please, because Dak can win you games. And I think the narrative with him has gotten a little bit out of control, where it's like, oh, just there's all oh, Dak just sucks. Like I don't, I, I don't think it's to that point. I think he's just inconsistent. He's kind of like 99 cent Josh Allen. The fact that <laughs> you know he can win you a game and you can easily lose you a game in the way Josh Allen can. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I think. This Dallas team has just so much potential, but it's almost like I hate to use like a Stephen A thing, but it's just and the Cowboys are in the Cowboys. It's just that's kind of what people expect, and rightfully so. It's happened basically each of the last five years where they've just kind of disappointed in the playoffs. And who knows? I think th- their excuse is definitely not a lack of talent. They're so talented on both sides of the ball, and they have the coaching staff to get it done. So we'll see. How about them, Cowboys? We'll see. Last bit of business before we get to our picks for the weekend. Dolphins and Eagles will be playing on Sunday Night Football. I think this is a terrific matchup. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being the game of the year because of how dynamic uh, each team is. You know, the the Eagles play the Niners on Christmas or New Year's Eve, whatever it is. Which is also one of those games that I have circled to to watch. Um, But this one specifically for me because of how dynamic – the Dolphins' offense has been just has a certain feel to it, especially given it's going to be in Philadelphia. Now we're not in the cold weather time of the year yet, really, where it's snowing and raining and doing all this nonsense outside. But Philly, tough crowd. We're seeing that in baseball right now with the Phillies making their run to the NLCS. Eagles crowd just as rowdy, just as ready to go. People have questions regarding Tua and his ability to win in these type of environments. I have questions about Tua and his ability to win in those type of places. So far this year, Tua has 14 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Tyreek Hill, not too shabby either. 42 receptions already, 6 touchdowns. I have my money on Philly here, personally. But I know that's not going to be a popular take because of how good the Dolphins have been on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you score 70 points you're going to garner a lot of respect. I just think this might be the game that pushes them towards that real playoff run. you got to have one game where it's just, you know, you had a chance to win, you probably should have won, and it's a clunker. I think every great team has that one game. This could be that one game for the Dolphins. Yeah, I think the Dolphins need that statement win because, yes, they have a really good offense, and, I mean, they scored 70 points against the Broncos, 42 against the Panthers. And it seems like the last two years, I mean, obviously two got hurt, but they would always put up these big numbers and they're an impressive team, but you're looking for them to win that game. And at first it was, okay, we're going to go into Buffalo and can the Dolphins beat the Bills in Buffalo? And, you know, they got trounced, 48 to 20. I mean, that's that speaks for itself. So uh, this, this, this game for me is the Dolphins have a chance – to go into Philly, which is one of the hardest places to go into and come out with with a win. And if they can come out with a win on primetime, that's a statement win not only for the Dolphins, but like you said, Tua, who, you know, there's kind of an interesting dialogue around him where he puts up the numbers, but some people like to say the arm strength isn't there. People like to hate on Tua, let's be honest. People like to hate on Tua. This is a chance for the Dolphins to really establish themselves. I know they're 5-1, and one, but it's a chance to establish themselves as a top two, top three team in the league definitively, without a doubt. Uh, and, you know, I think there's kind of a stigma there because of what happened with that Bills game and what's happened the last couple of years where they've had interesting showings where they prove they can be a really good team and then the next they are not. So I, I, I don't know if I'm picking the Dolphins in this game, but... It's 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 more important than it seems. I mean, even if you lose your five and two, like it's not over. But just for the overall, you know, where the, where this team is going this season in particular, like this is a win where you can look at it later on down the line and say this has changed our season. This made us, you know, that team that we want to be. 
So you're leaning towards a statement win. I'm leaning towards a statement loss that I'm, pushes them going forward. Yeah, I'm hoping for a statement win because I, oh, I just always look at the Dolphins and I'm thinking, so high-powered, so good, but it, oh, I don't know. It seems like the big game they just can't come away with. Done. And, you know, this is a chance for them. That's what I'm going to say. In terms of X's and O's stuff, Eagles will be without Reed Blankenship and Bradley Roby. He's Roby's. played well this year. So that secondary is going to be banged up. Against Miami, that's going to be a challenge. Miami's going to have to exploit that in Philadelphia, and they have the tools to do it. You have a Tyreek Hill who can bust zone coverages like it's no one's business. The question is going to be whether or not they can protect Tua in that pocket to get it done. I think they will be able to do that. Even with all of that going right for Miami, I just see this as a game for Philly where you come off that Jets loss, it's a get-right game. I believe they'll be rocking the Kelly Green jerseys. The fans will be rowdy. It's oh, Philly's going to be crazy. Red yeah. October, all this going on. I just, I'm leaning towards the Eagles in this one. Definitely a statement game for them or the Dolphins. Whoever wins this, it will be a statement win. Let's start making our picks, though. So I will start here. I'm rolling with the Eagles to win this one on Sunday Night Football. Joe, what about you? I'll go with the Dolphins. Okay. I want to see it, most mostly because I'm a Commanders fan. I don't like the Eagles, but I, I I want to see this Dolphins team take the next step. I think this is a great opportunity. I think I could you could also easily see like you're talking about the Eagles, kind of pissed off because of what happened. This is their chance to just you know make a statement. But you look at the Dolphins and they have an opportunity here to on prime time on the road, everything you want go out and get it and you know I think it's gonna be close I think it's gonna be high scoring um but I'll go with the Dolphins in this one three and three Raiders traveling to Chicago to take on the one and five Bears that one exciting one one o'clock yeah definitely not one I'm gonna be watching I'm gonna roll with the Raiders here for basically no other reason than Chicago has been atrocious I expect that trend to continue even with it being a home game for the Bears Vegas favored by two and a half points only so I, w- I would bet on the Raiders here, personally. I'm going with the Bears here. Uh, Justin Fields will be out. Jimmy Garoppolo will be out. That means for the Bears, we're getting teabag. That's what they call him. <laughs> Down in Chicago, Tyson Baginet. He's an undrafted rookie. And he actually he got some playing time last week because Justin Fields went down. And he's looked... He didn't look horrible, I'll say. And for the Bears, that's an improvement off what's <laughs> what's it's been going on this season. And, you know, at home... Uh, you know, it, it's really this is a game I'll not be paying attention to because, God, that does not sound like an interesting matchup whatsoever. But, you know, I'll take the Bears in this one, get right two and five. One o'clock slate continues. The Browns heading to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. I'm going to rock with the Browns here. I think they get another win on the board. They move to four and two. I've been impressed by what I've seen out of Cleveland from the defensive side of things. Insane. I don't know if anyone quite saw it coming to this extent, so I'll take Cleveland to win. Yeah, I mean, I love me some Minshew mania, but this Browns defense is just, it's it's insane. You saw what they did to the Niners. No team has made San Francisco look like that this year at all. Um, You know, they had a chance there. They missed a field goal, whatever. Um, but, you know, you're beating a team like San Francisco who, met, you know, looked unbeatable uh, in the first five games, that was impressive. And then, you know, they've held teams to three points multiple times this year. And that's insanely impressive in today's NFL. You're going up against a backup quarterback, a Colts team that's probably dejected considering their future potential franchise quarterback is now out for the year. This is a game that the Browns should win pretty handily, uh, especially if Deshaun Watson is back. Even if he's not, I still think the Browns take this one. Buffalo going to Foxborough to take on the Patriots. There was a time when this game oh, God. would have been much different. Joe, what do you got going on here? Yeah, not the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, I'm seeing you know Twitter reports that people inside the building are already looking forward to next season, already looking towards next season. It seems like they're just a complete mess uh i i don't think they're sold on mac jones whatsoever i don't know if this is uh a chance where he's gonna you know right his wrongs against that bill's defense uh i I, you know i think bill belichick will still kind of bill belichick maybe against josh allen probably could see some turnovers could keep it somewhat close but i mean that patriots offense has just looked 
in another world of horrible. So I, I don't think it's going to change here. I'm going to go with the Bills. Bills coming off of a win against the Giants. Not a pretty win by any stretch of the imagination. The Patriots have been a dumpster fire. I got to rock with Buffalo. They're favored by eight points. Oh, how times have changed. Yeah, Next up on sad. the slate, the Commanders taking on the Giants Here we at MetLife Stadium. Joe, take it away. <sighs> Man. I'll, I'll, this is this is what I wrote it down. I said, Commanders <laughs> over Giants if Tyrod starts. If if I have to see Daniel Jones go up against my team, I, I, I just, I've never seen it before where we win. So I can't pick the... I can't pick the Commanders to win, but it looks like Tyrod's going to start, so I'm going to go with the Commanders. This should be a game on paper where it should be a win by more than 10 points, at least by more than a touchdown. You just you look at the struggles of the Giants and the strengths of Washington, and you know it matches up perfectly. The offensive line is very poor for the Giants. They're in disarray right now. They're bringing guys off the street, and the Commanders have first-round picks at each spot on that defensive line. This should be... A bloodbath, but it won't be because it's never been, and it's a divisional matchup. So I got a close one, but I'm gonna go with the Commanders here if Tyrod starts. We've seen some Sam Howell touchdowns potentially. Oh, uh, get, you know I'm big time. On the board. I, oh yeah, I'm big time <laughs> on Sam Howell. He is like it's funny because you go into the season, you have a guy who started one game, it's a fifth round pick. Right. You would expect him that to be the main concern going into the season, and now I, I'm not even thinking about Sam Howell. I haven't talked about him once until you brought him up. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't think it's gonna be a high scoring game considering that, but. Uh, I'm not worried about to Sam Howell. Regardless of whether or not Tyrod plays or Daniel Jones plays, give me the Giants in this one. I knew it. I knew it. Commanders favored by three points. I'm thinking a 16-13 defensive win for the <laughs> G-Men, throwing an interception. Just please no tie. Position. Please no, no tie. tie. No, I, no one wants a tie. Oh, my God. Win or loss, just make it a game. I'm rolling with the G-Men. I want to make one note here. I don't know if you remember that primetime game last year in Washington. Yes, The I controversy that surrounding that game is the same officiating crew oh. that made that no call on Curtis Samuel and the whole Terry McLaurin thing down the goal line on primetime. Same officiating crew. It's interesting. I don't know. We'll see if that comes into play after Sunday, but I just wanted to put that out there in the ether. That uh, that's anyone believe in omens? We'll it's a bad omen for me right now, but we'll see. <laughs> Falcons and Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Falcons sitting at three and three. Bucks at three and two. This game to me is very interesting because interesting. both yeah. squads have overachieved a little bit. I didn't have high expectations for them, so I should preface it by saying that it's not like they're world beaters out there. No. But I've liked aspects of both teams so far. I just think there's a little bit more to like about the Atlanta Falcons. I've been impressed with Ritter. I think really, I, I think wow. he's getting flack that he doesn't deserve. He's not perfect out there, but I think give it a couple of weeks, he'll be right back on the track that we want him to be on as an NFL community. I'm taking the Falcons. Yeah, I, I'm taking the Buccaneers because, and I disagree with you on this Desmond Ritter take because I actually sat down and watched an entire Desmond Ritter game last week because that's it was, yeah, it was not the Commanders played and he. Yeah, it's almost like I think they're underachieving because that offense has so many weapons when you look at it. Bijan, Tyler Algier, Drake London, and then Kyle Pitts, who doesn't seem like he ever gets the ball. And you watch the Falcons, and literally every other play, every other mistake by Desmond Ritter, they cut to Arthur Smith, and he's like hands on right. top of his head freaking out. So I think we could see... Who knows what happens here, but if, if it doesn't go well in the first half, it seems like Arthur Smith is waiting to move off Desmond Ritter. Uh, and I'm not personally a big Desmond Ritter guy. I, I think he just struggles with accuracy at times, and the mobility really isn't there. He, to me, I don't see him as a future franchise quarterback. Uh, so for this particular matchup, I'm going to go with the Bucks. One of his comps was Marcus Mariota. I think Ritter is a different type of quarterback than Mariota, and I think he has to lean into what is going to make him different going forward. So certainly a discussion to be had about Desmond Ritter. I don't know if that's We're the best split. comp in terms of just like, oh, yeah. Not like now. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, at one point, at Marcus one point. Mariota, yeah, but yeah. We'll have to see going forward what happens in Atlanta. Lions going to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Detroit sitting at 5-1. and one. Ravens at 4-2 and two on the year. Joe, what you thinking here? <sighs> this was a tough game for me. Um, you look at the Lions, and that's, you know, one of the best offenses in the league. And then I also have the Ravens defense in fantasy. So 
This is very <laughs> tough for me. So I, I think I'm going to go with the Ravens here. Um, they came off a good road win against, uh, against the Titans in Tennessee. Um, and, you know, at home it always seems like that defense does show up. It'll be a good test. We'll see. Um, but, you know, Jared Goff has has, has looked solid this year. Uh, Monroe's back. He's healthy. And they actually got Jamison Williams back. I don't know. Yeah, you saw about that, about the whole gambling thing. Mm-hmm. And he's back, and he scored a touchdown. So it'll be it'll, it'll be an interesting game because it's going to require Lamar and this offense to get it going, and they haven't done a terrific job. They've been solid this year. I'm expecting a little bit more out of that. Maybe this is the week they can get right. I'm going to go with the Ravens over the Lions. I'm taking the Ravens as well. I don't know if you got to watch some of that Tennessee game the other week. There were some offensive plays where oh his receivers yeah. Lamar and the entire crew the play didn't work but you could tell they had something cooking in terms of spacing and just the ability to create that type of offense I think Zay Flowers has a good game here personally caught his last uh, his first touchdown last week I do believe uh, so I I see him having a good contest here moving on the Steelers going to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. Look, Rams favored by three points for years and years and years. This is the type of game where people wouldn't expect Pittsburgh to win, and then they go out there and win the game. That's what I think is going to happen here. This is a classic opportunity for a Mike Tomlin team to keep themselves above water. I think Kenny Pickett serves as the game manager in this type of contest. Maybe you get some action out of Najee Harris. Maybe you don't. Remains to be seen. Perhaps Warren comes up big for the Pittsburgh rush game. I like Pittsburgh here. Yeah, I I took the Rams solely because that that's there's offense. It's just it's uncharacteristically bad, uh, and they were bad the last couple of years. But it seems to have gotten worse every other year under Matt Canada. I mean, they're at Penguins games in Washington, chanting "Fire Matt Canada. Canada." I mean, that's I've never seen anything like that. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with the Rams. I do agree with you though. This is a type of game where you look back on it and you're like, "Wow, the Steelers won that game." and you know, when the Steelers are 9-8, and eight, Mike Tomlin's like 30 years in a row where he hasn't gone under 500. That's You look back and say that's why. Um, but I, I just I have not seen a single thing outside of um, that one drive where Kenny Pickett hit uh, George Pickens a couple weeks ago where out of the Steelers' offense where it's positive. So, I don't know. I'm going to take the Rams here. Continuing the 4 o'clock slate, the Arizona Cardinals going to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Cardinals at 1-5, Seahawks at 3-2. and two. Right now, Seattle favored by eight points. I'm playing at chalk here. I'm taking the Seahawks. This is just a throwaway year for the Cardinals. I expect this to be a throwaway division game that goes in favor of a team that's actually looking to make the playoffs this season. Perhaps Metcalf will have himself a big day. Yeah, I'm also going to Seahawks here. Um, disappointing loss for them last week. I mean, they were really close. Geno Smith kind of got sacked and completed on that last fourth down play, and they were in it with the Bengals, who I know haven't looked great this year. But, uh, yeah, this is a game at home, division rival. The Cardinals, they did open up the practice window for Kyler Murray. He's not going to play this week, I don't believe. Um, So maybe we get a last chance from Josh Dobbs where he's, you know, fighting for his NFL life out here. But I don't know. I think in Seattle, I think the Seahawks take care of this one pretty easily. Green Bay. Sitting at two and three, going to Denver to take on the Broncos. Broncos at one and five on the year. Joe, what do you have going on here? I don't necessarily have a strong feeling on this game. I don't. I don't either. Um, and I guess you can call this my upset of the week. Um, I'm going with the Broncos here. I, I I just haven't seen a lot out of the Packers that really moves me. And then you look at the Broncos, and this is maybe a chance where when you're looking actually back to last week. They were in that game. They only scored eight points against the Chiefs, but in Arrowhead, holding them to 19 points, it's impressive. Uh, and then you look at a matchup against Jordan Love, who's an unproven quarterback. Maybe they can force some turnovers. That defense has been shaky, but a little bit better of late. As I mentioned, I'll go with the Broncos here. Get the two wins. You know, I don't think they're that bad. When it rains, it pours. I think it is that bad. I'm taking the Packers it's pouring to in win Denver this right game. now. It is oh, pouring, God. man. And I think this might be the A.J. Dillon game, one of those backs for the Green Bay Packers. He could have a huge afternoon. So True. needless to say with that, regardless of the battle of the basement narrative, I'm taking the Packers. Chargers traveling to Kansas City. They'll be playing the Chiefs. Chargers 2-3, and three. Chiefs 5-1. and one. Kansas City favored by 5.5 points. 
this game is always close. Yeah. You never think it's necessarily going to be as close as it is, and then it's like a three or two point game. I don't know if two weeks ago I would have said this. I think this is going to differentiate, or or not differentiate, sorry, go away from the norm. I think this is going to be a Kansas City win. I think they win by a wide margin, especially oh, wow. after the way that the Chargers lost to the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I thought you were setting me up for my take that the Chargers are going to win. Mm-mm. That's my take here because I, I just look at it and I think this is a game where Justin Herbert has looked shaky the last couple of weeks. This is a chance where he can remind everyone across because everyone's going to be watching this game across the 4 p.m. slate. It's the best game on the slate. This is a chance to remind the league, everyone watching, of how good of a player he is. Um, and you look at the Chiefs and they've been – a little shaky. I mentioned nineteen to eight versus the Broncos, and then twenty-seven to twenty against the Vikings, who have not been a great team this year. I think it's going to be close, like it's been in past years. I think this is an opportunity for the Chargers to kind of like finally get over that hump, rewrite their season. I'm not a fan of them long term. I think they're going to have to make that coaching change eventually, um, as we've talked about NFL Friday before. But I'll, I'll go with the Chargers here. See, I just think this is the final nail in, in that the, coffin uh, yeah, for Staley. The, yeah. After the Cowboy game. I believe Hurts is a franchise quarterback. Very talented, fantastic athlete. He's just not with the right coaching situation at the moment. I think this is the game that officially moves the Chargers in a new coaching direction. I mean, it should have been last year when you were up, what, 20-plus on the Jaguars. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how he's still employed, but, you know, I believe in Justin Herbert. I think he can make magic happen. Maybe we have some magic this Sunday. Remains to be seen. Monday Night Football. 49ers and Vikings game happening in Minnesota. 49ers at five and one. Vikings at two and four. San Francisco favored by seven points. I actually grappled with this oh, game, God. not because I think the Vikings are <sighs> better than the 49ers, but because every once in a while you're going to get a little bit of a shocker. Ultimately, I didn't have the stomach to pick the Vikings. I'm going with the 49ers. I think Purdy and company get it done. Yeah, I, I, I don't see the Niners losing back-to-back games this season. Um, the Vikings team is always interesting because at home, they do have a solid home field advantage, and you do have Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson still hurt. Um, this is a chance for the Vikings maybe to salvage their season, but I just think the Niners are too good. And, you know, the reason why they lost was because they went up against a world-class defense in Cleveland, and if you've watched any Vikings game this year, that's the one thing they do not have as a good defense or even a, you know, average defense. They're pretty bad. Uh, I think this could get out of hand pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I definitely do not have the stomach to pick the Vikings in this one, so I'm going with the Niners. That'll do it for our picks segment. Definitely a great weekend filled with games. For Joe Masters, I'm Colin Lochran saying so long. NFL Friday is a production of WFUV Sports.